A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, I know I did some moaning about the uh, slovenly teenage bathroom behavior last week but I've got I've got some more this time the area of the house is the stairs right what are they doing on the stairs dropping food food crumbs food trails popcorn and chocolate digestive biscuits lumps of found on the stairs up to the bedrooms nice to be trodden into the carpet I mean, honestly, I know. it's not Hansel and Gretel. We're not leaving a breadcrumb trail to be, you know, to be rescued or anything from the bedrooms. It's just, ugh, I don't know. My, mine always say, oh, our dog, oh, she's obsessed with me, the dog. She loves me. And I say, you're just a walking food dropping thing. <laughs> she's just following you around for all of the extra treats that she gets on tour. No wonder she's a bit porky, yes. quite frankly. Well, do you know what? Our dog's not allowed upstairs. And that's probably why the ground floor is in <laughs> and everything from the the stairs upwards she's she's not getting to so maybe i need a change of uh, pets on the first floor policy or, or a change of teens Trish. yeah that could yeah. do hello hello welcome to postcards from midlife i'm trish halpin and i'm lorraine candy and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife we'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to hrt and your sex drive Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. We have some good news and bad news for you all today. The good news is that this is the last episode of the season, and the bad news is that we'll be back again in January for more postcards from midlife shenanigans. You've been on those dry martinis again, Trish. <laughs> well, always. You've got that the wrong way round, haven't you? <laughs> I am sure the women of Britain are going to be devastated to hear that this is the last episode, 2021. Um, they're not going to be thinking it's good news. I mean, we're a potentially award-winning broadcaster, Trish. <laughs> potentially, one day. But no, actually, you are right. And I'm pleased that you picked that up because I was actually checking if you were listening and paying attention properly, as I know mm. you can drift off into your world of fantasy celebrity mm. friends and working out your next name <laughs> when I'm talking. So I wanted to just check you were listening yeah. to me, Lorraine. This is true. I am working out my next name drop. Wait mm-hmm. for it. It's coming up later. But yes, I hang on your every word, actually, Trish, my little friend. <laughs> Seriously, though, we have come to the end of season four, which is rather dramatic, isn't it? And today yeah. we're going to be reflecting on all our favourite things that we've learned on the podcast 2021, as well as all the brilliant women we've interviewed along the way. And we're going to jibber jabber about that aren't we shortly yes we did give everyone a heads up on last week's episode which prompted jane from far far away in vancouver to get in touch via email saying i'm recalling you did a very funny christmas episode last year with just the two of you i wonder if you're planning to do another i'm sure i would enjoy listening to it (laughs) i think you might be quite generous with that description very funny (laughs) Xmas episode we won't disappoint you 
we are coming back. The menopausal Morecam and Wise will be doing a Christmas special. Um, this will be out in December. We're actually going to make history on this one, aren't we, Tris? We, mm. we, we're going to have not one, but two guests, which means that in one room, there will be four middle-aged women on one chart-topping podcast broadcasting. Now, this is a kind of first, isn't it? I mm. think, I wonder if the universe might reject it and that we might affect <laughs> the space-time continuum like Doctor Who or something. You can't have four middle-aged well, women on one show. Well, I think you can. I think never should... happened before. We should call Guinness Book of Records right now uh, because we're very excited, aren't we? Because we're going to be joined by another pair of podcasting pioneers, Jane Garvey and Fee Glover from the fantastic Fortunately podcast. It's what you call in children's television terms a mashup. Yes. <laughs> It's a mashup of postcards, unfortunately. Well, you have failed to mention that they are actually proper broadcasters. They're BBC mm. veterans and uh, broadcasting professionals. So um, we're going to have to get a bit of practice in, aren't we? Because I think so. you are going to have to remember to turn your mic on. <laughs> I don't think I can say that at the beginning of a oh, show starring Jane no, Garvey. You can't. Cover. <laughs> I will try my hardest. And you'll have to be careful on shuffling, shuffling your papers, Absolutely. shuffling. Is, they don't shuffle, do they? No. But however technically inept we are, we promise to make it very Christmassy and have lots of laughs just for you, Jane, from Vancouver. And I'll tell you what made me laugh this week, and that was Alexia on our Facebook group, who posted some pictures of her Christmas tree, which she's already put up in November, a bit early, but she has a good reason. Alexa says, it's been a bit of a hormone frenzy in our house of late with some added life stresses thrown into the hormone mix so us three girls at the house decided to pink the hell out of the tree this year keep calm ladies and find joy in bonding over the tree with your teenagers and uh, are you loving my idea of making an upcycled garland with my hrt sashes <laughs> love and positive vibes to all ladies feeling exasperated you are not alone i mean let's unpack that there's so much in there yeah teenagers there's early christmas there's being overwhelmed and there's an hrt garland sachet sachet garland i, I mean, don't know what to think about that trish <laughs> i'll tell you who wouldn't like that trish you know who wouldn't like that don't you who who doesn't have the spirit and joy of the season is it oh, marion marion <laughs> <laughs> the woman who sent us an email to say tosh yeah drivel nonsense yes, waffling exactly. on women well we hear you alexia it's a very good picture on the facebook page and we hear you about the teens um she should patent that hrt she should, she should take it on dragon's den shouldn't she yes hrt sachet garland no it's less. very sustainable anyway i'll tell you what didn't make me laugh when i had mm. a look on the facebook uh, group it was sally's post which had a picture from a gift guide in new york which is a portable fan and the title of it was for grandmother going through the change oh. i mean for god's sake 2021 four middle-aged women are allowed on on an audio broadcast this this can't go on anymore oh, anyway i tell you what we would like though this would be our, your Christmas present, listeners, mm. to us. We would like some of your Christmas tales for our Christmas special. Sort of family rituals, disappointing gifts. <laughs> the moments you put your foot down and said, no, I will not do it. Those people will not come around for Christmas dinner. And mm-hmm. um, We want all of that. We're going to start a thread on the Facebook group, and we would like to add that in to our Christmas special. Now, if you're not a member of our private Facebook group, which is a very exclusive club, isn't it, Trish? <laughs> We're on it all the time, all the time. Um, lots of famous people are on it and lots of experts are on it too. Um, Do join up because it's a great way that we can stay in touch and keep the midlife conversation going and all our connections while we're off air until we're back in 
January 2022. Imagine that, 2022. Mm, it's not that far, a few weeks away, but it sounds like a long way. But right, let's get back to the laughs because our special guest today is a screenwriter who has scripted some of our all-time favourite funny TV shows and characters, including Veep, The Thick of It, Have I Got News for You, as well as our current obsession, Succession. She is Georgia Pritchett and she'll be joining us to talk about her new memoir called My Mess is a Bit of a Life. And what a life she has had she's going to be telling us all about that well I love a memoir Trish mm. I'm writing your memoirs we speak. <laughs> I haven't quite got the title right yet oh no something about being small but big at the same time oh yes, yes. anyway let's get on with our postcards from midlife 2021 memoir What a year it's been for Postcards from Midlife. Thanks to all you lovely listeners. We've topped the Apple charts on more than one occasion, and we've had some phenomenal guests sharing all kinds of expertise and life experiences. So tell me, Lorraine, who have been some of your favourites? Oh, well, they were all brilliant. We've had 78 episodes, I noticed, on the uh, ACAST listings. Very exciting. That's across (laughs) nearly two years, though, not just 2021. Okay, yes, okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) That's why I didn't get any qualifications because I don't double check anything. <laughs> no. I just say it. We're talking that. about 2021 here. All right, got it. Okay, get with the not, Yeah, on it, on it. Anyway, one of my favourite guests was Dame uh, Leslie Regan from Wellbeing of Women. And she just told the most amazing life story, didn't she? Mm -hmm. She's, well, kind of one of the leading lights in uh, gynecological medicine, reproductive medicine and women's health, basically. And she just, she'd had cancer, breast cancer, three times. Mm. And she just had such an amazingly positive attitude. She had tons and tons of information for us. But I just loved listening to her. And one of the things that really struck me was she said something like she realised in her late 50s that she needed to be needed. And that's why. Mm -hmm. She wanted to just keep working as long as possible. And I thought it's lovely to hear someone realise that and for it to be a positive thing, not not a negative thing. I loved Martine Wright, the Paralympian. A couple of weeks ago she was on. Oh, my goodness. She's going to be climbing a mountain now. She's got Olympic medals. She's she's just extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, And Asma Mir actually was one of my favourite guests Mm -hmm. because I think we talked to her when she was in kind of in the thick of a very, very tough time time um mm-hmm. family wise she knows going through divorce she had a young child she had a massive job she was broadcasting from home on um times radio and i think she was just so honest and it's so lovely to hear women talking about being vulnerable because mm. it means we can all talk about it doesn't it we all we all make mistakes we all get it wrong we're all on a journey we're all evolving and i think it was really great listening to her and her honesty was really refreshing i've got a few personal girl crushes can we say oh yeah you can have yes I think so I don't know we'll have to ask check in with the teens or maybe not but anyway we're saying it um Julia Samuel the grief therapist just such a you know her book living loss was just living losses was just Mm. so brilliant and she was so helpful I was kind of scribbling all that down um took a lot of that into my day-to-day life and obviously Carolyn Harris the MP we all fell in love with just yes what a life such awful tragedy to go through losing her eight-year-old son in a car Mm -hmm. accident and then really turning her life into such a force for good she's the mp who um has 
well, she has changed. It, it is changing. Um, she was endeavouring to make HRT free in England as it is in Wales and Scotland, but it's not going to be free, but it's going to be one, a one-off payment hopefully next year. But she's just so lovely, wasn't she? she yeah. Was well, I think she's there. just been, because um, she's the chair of the all-party parliamentary group on menopause, isn't she? And I think that whole, just what we've seen in 2021 with the conversation yeah. and narrative around menopause is remarkable. And to hear Carolyn standing up in Parliament, talking about it, getting men to talk about it, it's just, I mean, that would not have happened two years ago when we started no, this podcast. and quickly. So it's yeah. happened really, really quickly. You know, a, a TV documentary commissioned and out within mm-hmm. six months of it being sorted. And this subject matter being on the news, on the radio. Today, Rod mm. Stewart, did you see that piece yeah, in the Times that. today? Yes. Rod Stewart said Penny Lancaster had been through such a traumatic time with her menopause that more men should know about it. Yes. I mean, when one of their own starts talking about it, you would hope that the... Yes. Uh, <laughs> patriarchy might start to yes. prick their ears up and, yes, and, and, and help think, us I on mean, this journey. Rod knows a thing or two. He's been around the block, hasn't he? So we're we're uh, we're liking that uh, him leading the the charge with with the men. So who have um, been your favourite ladies? Well, on the podcast? I think you're right. It's like when you look at our website. If you go onto our website page dear listeners and have a look at the page with all the episodes and you do scroll down all those women I mean my goodness it is a sea of just the most fabulous brilliant women out there you know from Emma Freud Mary McCartney Sadie Frost all the new you know experts and people that we've had this year but the ones a couple that stood out for me again I think it's just about those amazing personal stories of and and journeys of going from somewhere in your life a dark place to a lighter place etc and Amanda Prowse the novel Oh, she's she wasn't, brilliant, wasn't she, she brilliant she's so lovely and warm and friendly and she has this wonderful midlife story she has a rags to riches you know now a millionaire she was a cleaner wasn't she yeah I, well yeah she was living in a i think a council house now she's living in a mansion and all because she started writing books in her 40s she and had became successful well over a hundred rejections mm. for her first oh, yes. novel didn't she and she just kept going yeah. back again and again and making it work in the end yeah. It's such an extraordinary story. And, then, and her book about her relationship with her son was so moving. Exactly, because he had depression and it was how she supported him and, and lived with that. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot of life lessons um, in that episode for sure. And then um the beauty journalist Ate Jewel, I really enjoyed yeah. her interview as well because it was so surprising, really, because she is um she's somebody who we, we wanted to talk to her about um, emotional eating and well-being because she She's somebody, she put on 10 stone in her 30s right. yeah. and it all sort of really tied back to a sort of upbringing in which her, her you know, parental expectations, her father called her fat, her mother um, divorced the father when she found out he was a UN diplomat and he yeah. was sort of, had families all around the world and the mother divorced him. And the, but the mother was of this sort of generation of women who were constantly on diets and the only way your value was, you know, yeah. as a woman and your power with men was how you looked and how your body was. So I thought that was a really interesting one and then just how she succeeded I mean she went to Bristol University she was the only black student in a year of 200 studying history at Bristol and you know she'd been told by her head teacher not to try apply for Oxford so what she sort of overcome and again her story I just thought was so interesting and then my cry I've got a little crush Nikki Chapman. Yes, I knew it would be Nikki. <laughs> She's got your dream job, that's why. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think she has. So Nikki, um, she's sort of been quite integral culturally.
literally, hasn't she, in terms of like she did all the PR for the Spice Girls as she was yeah. of that sort of 90s music era. era. And now she presents Escape to the Country. Yes. And the, uh, Chelsea Which Chelsea is your dream, show. Escaping to the Country. <laughs> isn't that would be quite good, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, that, those, were my, um, those were my little highlights. I think of many, so many, so many highlights. So, you know, midlife is about reinvention and mm. um, changing things. There have been quite a few guests that have reinvented themselves. Lovely Louise Minchin, who reinvented oh. herself after going on BBC as a triathlete, but is now uh, I'm a, on I'm a Celebrity, yes. doing brilliantly there. Lovely Meg Matthews, who was our first guest, actually has gone to live in Cornwall, sold everything mm. up and gone down there. And Davina McCall mm-hmm. has reinvented in a way, hasn't she? Because she did present the Channel 4 documentary Sex Myths and mm-hmm. the Menopause with Davina McCall. And she really is, I, I think, probably the, the menopause warrior on yes. television now. I mean, you, have, you can Uno, go from presenting definitely. The Masked Singer. <laughs> Really, really. And she's presenting another documentary. She's making another documentary that will be out next year. She's writing a book on it. She gives talks on menopause and perimenopause. I just think she's managed. She's done that impossible thing Mm. to to continue with her very high profile career where, you know, her age doesn't seem to be important. And also to be talking about something which is vitally important to women. She can do something lighthearted and incredibly serious. I think Mm -hmm. that's a really sort of mega reinvention. Yeah. And I think, I mean, her interview was just, it was just lovely wasn't it it was so and I think what I mean it's a bit cheeky but I feel like whenever we talk to these women it's like they're our friends you're just having a chat with your mates and and then when you then see them in things doing amazing things afterwards you're like oh there's my friend I was watching that program Ridley Road that drama series which had the fabulous Tamsin Althwaite in it sporting a very large beehive you you're looking at me blank you haven't um, seen it have you no this is your afternoon well it's a Sunday night it might be, but I did, it's, it was a Sunday night BBC One drama. So it's set in the 60s, obviously. And um, we love that Tamsin, because she talked about her um, her younger man, her younger boyfriend, mm. who she's still with, I believe. Anyway, when I saw her on there, I was like, oh, there's Tamsin. And then likewise, Jackie Clune, the sort of actress, yeah. comedian, writer, she's popped up in Ghosts. And then um, I got a nice little surprise. I was watching a Stephen Lawrence drama and she popped up in that. So, oh, there's Jackie in the Stephen Lawrence drama alongside... Alan Partridge or rather Steve Coogan but Steve (laughs) Coogan was playing a police officer and it was hard not to think of him as Alan Partridge trying to bring the um you know we are the um, Stephen Lawrence I mean some would argue Trish that we are the Alan Partridge (laughs) of podcasts wouldn't they god what my favorite Alan Partridge sketch is the one in the restaurant when he's being interviewed about television Mm. ideas and he gets they all get rejected and he gets so Mm. cross that he just grabs the stilt and with his fork (laughs) and shoves it into the tv man's face face and says smell my cheese you mother monkey tennis all of it just just, very funny I know Alan Partridge cheese but cheese Cheese that's been on your mind this year cheese hasn't it can someone explain to me why becoming a vegetarian means basically becoming a cheesetarian because that's Mm. all I do now is eat cheese that's on my Mm. cv she eats cheese Mm. this woman eats (laughs) cheese I discovered and I mentioned it on the show all the cheese platter accounts didn't I Mm. on um Instagram yes we do like to be useful (laughs) don't we amazing research amazing reporting investigative journalism into cheese platters can I tell you it's a cheese joke (laughs) okay go on then there's been an explosion in a cheese factory, Trish. 
Mm. Debris everywhere. Oh. <laughs> how, how do you hide? Oh. What do you call oh God, the cheese on. that hides a small horse? Oh, mascarpone. Oh, very good. Yeah. yeah.
postcards from midlife with mm. Trish Halpern and I say yes I am and they say I love nostalgia noodle Aww. I love it and then they tell me one of the nostalgia noodles they say well, you must do this you must do that and usually we've done it but I have two very fabulous step backs in time of yours that I oh. like to bring I'm back blushing. I'm blushing already you know what oh, I'm going to bring back don't you because I, I like what saying it the word it's very yeah. yeah it's very 1980s you brought your school embroidery yes of a cock didn't you <laughs> Shall I explain or do you want to explain? Do you want to just that? My embroidered cock was an embroidered cock on a ball. It was my cushion I made with some embroidery of the Tottenham Hotspur logo. For no apparent reason, (laughs) as it turns out. It was my inspiration for my embroidery class. Can you remind me Mm. why your friend Barbara used to brush your hair? Perhaps from up the road because yeah. we had the Love Is Club, didn't we? Was that the thing? Is that what you're talking that's, about? That's that's it. That's from the Love the Is cartoon. Lo- we had a Love Is. Club. I think you might have to explain further. I don't what, quite understand why it was. Don't the, go off call- into there. <laughs> it was a lovers club but essentially it was a sort of board in this you know summer holidays and we'd we'd had a club it was a bit like the brownies where you had to do things to get points and badges and lovers <laughs> badges and things and uh, one of the things would have been uh, washing and brushing someone's hair giving them a little <laughs> you know shampoo and set <laughs> i can't wait until your therapist oh, explains what, what that caused okay. you to do. Okay. What do you remember of my well, nostalgia? Well, movement? mine, obviously, it could be back to your first name drop, I'm thinking. Oh, I like yeah, your ones on. back to your corner of Cornish. No, no, that's terrible. No, you can't do that. Cornish. I can do a Cornish accent. Cornish accent. Because I, I am Cornish. I don't I know can't. what that was. Radio One Roadshow, you interviewing yes. Peter Powell. Down yeah. in was it Cornwall or was it in Devon? It was Cornwall on the beach. It was Cornwall on the beach. On the beach. I love that. Beach in southwest Cornwall, southeast yes. Cornwall. When I was at the Cornish Times, as a yes. work experience. I liked yeah. that one because someone then posted, uh, popped a little picture of Peter Powell at Radio One Roadshow um, from the eighties on the fa- on the Facebook page, and. Our visions of it being some massive concert it was basically no. a sort of caravan with a bit of yes. a stand next to it. Four story in my life, standing in front of it. But it was the beginning of a long journey of snoozing oh, and name dropping for you. I would say no, I, I, an award-winning journalistic. Yes, oh, sorry. Yes, yes, that's the way. That's the way to describe it. But I can't let the first kiss nostalgia noodle one oh, cool. go aside without mentioning vernon once again your oh, first kiss the people who wrote the, the lady people, who wrote on the exactly. facebook group saying i know vernon and i said well no you don't because the timing's wrong and the place is yes wrong. <laughs> but i think you're just saying that now because you don't want vernon to find you but well he might find me mightn't he maybe 2022 will be the year do you think he might have changed his name to something famous now? Or he might actually be someone famous now. Maybe he was in Duran Duran. Maybe it was Simon Lewis. Oh, was actually you Vernon. see, let's just, just try and make it, it all about a celebrity. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you are a fan of succession, in the thick of it, Veep, or have I got news for you, then you are in for a treat today on the podcast. We've got scriptwriter Georgia Pritchett on the show to talk to us about one of the funniest memoirs we've ever read, My Mess is a Bit of a Life, which has just come out. Georgia, 53, began her career on Radio 4 almost three decades ago and went on to write scripts for Spitting Image, Joe Brand, Lenny Henry, Miranda Hart, Smack the Pony and many, many more TV series and legends of comedy. Her sharp, witty satire has helped win the shows she worked on prestigious awards. And this month, you'll have no doubt enjoyed every minute of Succession's blisteringly funny dialogue. Londoner Georgia's career has seen her flit between the red carpets of Hollywood and the laybys of Surrey, where she once handed Ronnie Corbett an envelope of jokes in return for an envelope of cash. Her poignant and charming book follows Georgia's adventures in comedy, as well as telling the personal story of her lifelong battle with anxiety. She's a mum of two non-neurotypical teenage boys, as she describes them, and has been with her partner, Catherine Bailey, 21 years. We'll be chatting about what inspires her humour, her experiences working in a predominantly male world, one where she was once asked if women really can be funny, and also her midlife journey. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Georgia. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. Now, I think we're going to start by asking you about your book, My Mess is a Bit of a Life, and why you wrote it, because it's quite a phenomenal book, actually. It's a kind of collection of short, witty essays which follow your life chronologically. But I also found it incredibly moving. It's a really emotional read, actually, because you write about so much. You write about the fertility treatment you had to become pregnant and then losing your first baby. You write about coming out as gay to your parents. You write about how you were sexually assaulted by a famous male entertainer as a young writer and how he contacted you later to say sorry. You write about your partner and how you've parented your two boys through quite difficult times, often battling with an unyielding education system. And you also write about your partner's initial diagnosis with cancer, which um, initially they thought was terminal. You write about your anxiety. Um, It's a lot. I was sort of tearful at times and then crying with laughter it's it's such a journey it's such a different kind of book to read so why did you want to share all of that it's so personal (laughs) normally you're behind the scenes aren't you yes I mean I didn't really (laughs) that was the very last thing I wanted to do my agent suggested that I write a memoir a while ago and I said in no uncertain terms the one thing we can be certain of in this life is that I will never ever write a memoir So yes, this is all a bit embarrassing, but I think lapse of judgments, lockdown madness. Yes, I suddenly decided to go for it. And you just put it all on the page from start to finish, didn't you? Really everything you've been through. How does it feel having finished that? Is it cathartic? 
pretty horrifying, as you say, a very private person. And, you know, being a scriptwriter is the perfect job for a private person because you literally get to put words in other people's mouths and it's very anonymous. No one ever knows who you are. You express yourself by stealth. So, yeah, to write something so direct and personal is a bit of a shock, really. But I think I just reached an age where I thought, I don't think I care what people think anymore. And I think I owe it to younger women, to be honest about things, to tell the truth about uh, how this world and particularly my industry can be if you're a woman. And anxiety really underpins your your sort of life, really, from your childhood right through to the end of the book. And that kind of sense of the, the anxiety and the depression mounting is, is so powerful in the way that you write it. You are or have seen a therapist finally after seeing your GP and the GP prescribed for you to go and see a therapist. How has that helped? Where where are you with the anxiety right now? Well, there's several things. One is, you know, I'm so interested in words. And then sometimes you get to a point in life where you can't find the right words or there aren't the right words to express something. And so that was surprising and confusing for me. And also, I think I'm British. I'm not used to verbally expressing my feelings. We all play roles, don't we, in our lives. And I think as a comedy writer, I definitely felt it was literally my job to be happy and that therefore I couldn't express anything other than that. I think years of just squashing everything down, eventually there was no more room and it all came erupting out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Do, Do you feel better now? Yeah, I still find it difficult to talk about my feelings, but I think writing things down definitely helped because I think when you're in the middle of the sort of mayhem of life, it's so easy to be hard on yourself and think I should be doing better, I should be a better mother, partner, daughter, you know, writer, everything. But I think when you write things down and look back, you do kind of find a little sliver of compassion for yourself and think, oh, I was trying my best, you know, maybe I'm not (laughs) the biggest idiot to walk the planet. That definitely helped. And I think you just reach an age where you want to stop pretending and you want to be a bit more authentic and engage with people on a more honest level. And um, that makes a big difference. It seemed as if you were really struggling to think about where to go for help because there are bits in in the book where you're going to see the homeopath. And I'm like, don't go to the do you think therapy is that something you'd be an advocate of now as you say I tried everything homeopaths <laughs> and my ears checked my eyes checked you know my, <laughs> my thyroid you just hope that there's some simple physical thing and that a pill will make it all better so yeah definitely therapy was the last resort it was not something that I wanted to do but it definitely is helpful I think. I guess I think we could call you a comedy hero because particularly for women, you've written some really big, brilliant female characters into the shows that you've helped create and been on the writing teams of. How difficult, I guess going back a bit, is it to get a female character, a funny woman at the centre of TV comedy? It's incredibly difficult, if not impossible. I've been writing now for 30 years and Over here, every broadcaster has said to me, 
no, we already have something with women in it. Um, because you wouldn't want more than one. Oh, more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. You'd get confused. You wouldn't know what show you were watching because a woman would keep popping up. Yeah. That's been very dispiriting. And, you know, it's really interesting now I get to work in the States, which I think we can agree after the last election has proved itself to be a pretty sexist place. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in the world of comedy, they're way ahead of us. And whereas in the UK, comedy is very male and very Oxbridgey, And for years, for decades, the female roles in sitcoms were either nags or slags. You were either the sort of yeah. sensible girlfriend tutting and providing the setup lines or you were the sort of oversexed, hilarious older woman who still wanted sex, lived next door and was nosy. But, you know, in the States, what's so amazing is that right from the beginning of TV comedy is they've had women, you know, right from Lucille Ball and Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda and right through to Roseanne and Ellen, they've always had women in the leads. They've always had women writers. They've always believed women were funny and wanted to hear their point of view. And we just haven't had that in the UK. And, and uh I'm still not too sure why. Even now, you know, one of the most successful sitcoms in the UK is a man dressed up as a woman. And I don't just... understand that at all. Mm. I can't work it out. I think it would be great if it was a woman. <laughs> it's just not funny either, is it? That's no, it's not. <laughs> we well, all know what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, as a comedy writer, I always think that's fine if I don't like it because other people do and I know mm. it's hard to make people laugh. So I don't want to judge its comedy value but I just think why are we a society that embraces a man dressed as a woman more than a woman you know wouldn't it be great to have an older woman lead a sitcom that would be amazing I don't know whether it's the same in the US right now but certainly here in the UK everybody you talk to is obsessed with succession because it's being shown weekly on Sky I mean my goodness series three it is absolutely cracking and we absolutely are total fans of Veep as well but with succession Lorraine and myself and Amanda our producer we're all obsessed with Jerry in particular we love Jerry how did she come to life and tell us about writing her character she's so good isn't she she's an older woman isn't she yeah she's an older woman and sexy and all of that she's hot Jerry yeah I think that is so much to do with the brilliant actress Jay Smith Cameron yeah. because I think originally being to be honest it was a man called Jerry and the couple oh, of women God. in the writers room were like could it be a woman oh brilliant <laughs> working in such a man environment I very much relate to that I think it would be very easy for that role to be not much you know just a woman in a man's world amongst women but she brings such nuance and interest to it and you just know to survive in that world she's been through so much and she's put up with so much and she's somehow kept her course and not been put off and fought her corner she's worked with Kieran who plays Roman since he was a teenager and they had this incredible chemistry and that gave us the idea for this in heavy quotation marks romance (laughs) between the two because we kind of thought Roman is so damaged he wouldn't be capable of a sort of healthy loving intimate relationship so probably the closest he can come to is this weird Oedipal (laughs) thing with Jerry but but because they're both so great what could be kind of 
either just funny or a bit disgusting is really, I think, quite moving and yeah. fascinating. And I mean, who wouldn't want to be in a relationship with Jerry? She's fabulous. She's like the most intelligent one of them all as well. Yeah. Isn't it? She clearly yeah. is the one with some actual brains as well. Yeah. I think what's really clever about her is she. there could be moments when it looks like she's mothering Logan as well, because she's often the only woman yeah. in the room. And when we've all been the only woman in the room, sometimes they overlay that mothering thing on you and you feel like you have to and she doesn't ever go into that mode yeah. does she yeah I think that's exactly right and I think what's so interesting about this series is she is you know in theory the boss and, yeah. and you could see how little respect that she's given still that she's not taken seriously in the way that she would be if she were a man and Roman I know he's one of your favorite I follow you on Twitter it's very funny you and <laughs> your love of Roman on Twitter yes. is it easy to write such an obnoxious character I mean I know he's damaged and we should feel yeah for that, but you know he is a hideous personality isn't he is it easy to write someone like that it's not I seem to have sort of carved out this niche of of writing for pretty irredeemable awful people but I think you know it's a fun challenge as a writer if you can find the humanity and find some compassion for them it makes it really interesting and I think what I've always focused on is what can't money buy you obviously they have all the money in the world but for Roman, it can't buy you a loving relationship and the love uh, that you crave from your father. And, you know, if you look at their sort of awful behaviour as coming from a place of pain and damage, that it makes it sort of more interesting to watch. And Selena in Veep, the president, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, she's, yeah. she's not massively like, I mean, she's my favourite character but she's not massively likable either is she she isn't but it was such a relief when I got to write for her I think as I say having written in the UK you know we've got this weird thing where if women did have parts as I say were either nags or slags or they have to be sort of perfect mothers or perfect wives in some way so to finally write for a woman who was far from perfect, who had terrible sort of flaws and was selfish and, you know, terrible mother, was really exciting and liberating. And again, you know, a woman in a man's world, that her sort of bad behaviour, we kind of can forgive a lot of it because we just know she's had to suck it up for her entire life yeah. in that terrible world. So she's been kind of poisoned by them really and played by such a brilliant actress who I know has become a close friend of yours hasn't she and that you talk a little bit about the relationship in the book and it is uh we're we're just jealous aren't we (laughs) (laughs) and I'd like to talk about Gary and the Leviathan as well the bag I mean he's (laughs) my favorite as well he's brilliant isn't he yeah he's fantastic in fact I was talking to Julia recently about him but I was complaining about my teenage sons (laughs) And I was saying my relationship to my teenage sons is like Gary and Selena in that I just love them so much. I'm so devoted and besotted and just hand them whatever they need and give them whatever they need. And they're so sort of, you know, somewhere between ignoring me and just thinking I'm an idiot, which is, you know, it feels very Gary and Selena. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're all Garys, aren't we, basically? We are so working in LA, you, you've talked about how different it is being a, a, in a room full of female writers. But I mean, moving from like London to what must be seen quite glamorous in LA, your, your life must be quite varied and quite different. How do you kind of make that work for you? It is. It's, it's astonishing, actually. It's very odd. I feel like I found a little sort of door to Narnia because when I work over here, I'm treated with quite a lot of respect, which I find quite difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very odd. I'm not used to it. I'm much, much happier with the way I'm treated at home by my sons and all of (laughs) men in the industry. But yes, I think they just really value writers and actors and creative arts in a way that perhaps we're too I mean I do love Brits and their self-loathing but we (laughs) it's interesting as well in comedy that so many sort of British comedies in history have been really about our self-loathing and and laughing at our incompetence and and mocking ourselves whether it's sort of Faulty Towers or The Office it's people who are dreadful and and we mock them and we hate them and they're funny because they're such idiots you know and in America of course it's much more aspirational and they create funny people who make jokes to make their friends laugh whatever it is it's kind of stuff that makes us feel better about ourselves and about our lives rather than worse so it's very different I must say it's like learning another language I guess we should talk about the sexism because it is kind of a theme of the book and you do write about it so well and we've all kind of experienced it we've had every probably midlife woman in the UK on on the show and they've (laughs) all got a story to to tell so you talk in the book about a 61 year old man who assaulted you in a lift when you were 25 and two decades later he rang to apologize so I just wonder I guess is it changing how do you think you dealt with that over the years and how do you deal with that emotion now? Because I think it comes up now and again, that emotion, when you think of the things that have happened and, you know, mm-hmm. Trisha and I have talked about this and we think, well, why didn't we say anything or, you know, why, yeah. what, you know, make, makes us cross now. And it's a shame, mm-hmm. isn't it? I think that's a really good question. I think for so long, I mean, I did try and get help at the time, but as mm-hmm. I say in the book, the women sort of turned their backs on me and the situation and I think it's very difficult isn't it we're so kind of primed to not complain I think that's part of the thought process I had writing the book was well I think there's a difference between complaining and being honest I don't think I'm complaining about it I mean I wish it hadn't happened but I think you don't want to affect your career do you that's yeah about your future yeah. yeah yeah you don't want to be considered a difficult woman or whatever it is and I think that's a way of keeping us quiet and I think more and more women now are being honest being brave telling the truth and I think that is not only good for other women here but I think it's great for men here because we've we've kind of let them off the hook for so long and not bothered them with our problems it's an interesting thing to work around all your life as Jerry has done you know (laughs) yes whether it's sort of health issues or sexism or sexual assault whatever it is we we haven't liked to talk about it and I think now talking about it really is is the thing that's going to change it because Mm. Hopefully younger women won't feel that pressure to stay silent, um, which I think is really important. One of the great things we loved about the book is that it's it's like this cultural dictionary of everything we've ever watched or listened to. So British. Um, 
yes, we've grown up. It's so British. And as, you know, part of Generation X, every reference in there, we we get it. You know, we totally get it. <laughs> we actually have a, a section on, on this little podcast called Nostalgia Noodle, where we look back <laughs> on something from our childhoods yeah. or our teenagers. And you've got everything in there from Mr. Ben, Fuzzy the Bear, the Muppets, yeah. the two Ronnies. But we particularly like your George Michael encounter. <laughs> That was fantastic. Yeah. We try and talk about him at least every once. week. Every week. <laughs> right. He just right, seems right, to dude. make his way on onto the podcast. Now, um, yeah. do you think you could possibly read your piece on meeting George? I will. Yes. From oh, the book? very funny. It is so funny. I decided at a young age that I was going to marry George Michael. We were going to be George and Georgia Michael. For so many reasons, it was a love that could never be but it took me a long time to give up on it. By this time in my life, some friends and I had started a small animation company and we were cooped up in a tiny office in the middle of Soho. One day I answered the phone and the voice said it was George Michael. We were working with impressionists and my obsession with him was well known, so I presumed it was a joke, but the voice insisted it wasn't and gave an address to come to. The next day, my friend Giles and I headed to the address and found ourselves at a decidedly dodgy looking door. We knocked on the door and waited. Eventually, it opened and we were led downstairs to a huge, sumptuous recording studio. And there he was, my tiny, stubbly husband-to-be, smoking an enormous joint. George explained that he wanted us to animate a video for his new track, He asked if we wanted to hear the track. We nodded dumbly. He turned on some music so loudly that my eardrums had a seizure. He then watched us as we listened. Not sure how to react, we started nodding our heads, clicking our fingers and tapping our feet, trying to look cool. It was excruciating. George had a lot of things he wanted to say about politics, about Tony Blair, about George Bush and about the Iraq war. I wished he would just wiggle his tiny leather-clad hips but he didn't want to be in the video. So we animated his thoughts about Tony Blair, about George Bush and about the Iraq war and contributed to one of his worst selling singles of all time. (laughs) Nobody wanted to hear what he thought about politics. They just wanted him to wiggle his tiny leather clad hips. People are shallow, ignorant idiots. And when I say people, I very much mean me. Oh, George. <laughs> we we had a guest on, Kate Thornton, who um he rang her to talk to her as well, and she she didn't didn't believe it was him. Put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> really? oh, I can't How believe he's got him. tiny hips. Was he tiny? Yes, yes. short, tiny he person. Tiny, yes. Yeah. That don't didn't know that. Big voice, big voice. Yeah. That's George. this week's tribute to George. Yes. Taken care of. Um. <laughs> so apart from George, which obviously unites all British midlife women the other thing that we talk to everyone about listen to this link trish we're almost professional <laughs> podcasters it's the perimenopause oh, that's gone from George Michael to perimenopause day. can you talk to us about the menopause and perimenopause because i'm assuming that that will be linked in some way to your anxiety and what you went through from your or, or not i don't know your story yeah. what, what's been your midlife experience oh my god i wish you'd told me that at the time i had no idea have you read Catelyn moran's essay yeah. about we had her on the show to talk oh, about it yeah. yeah i mean i think that saved my life that analogy of it being like going cold turkey off a lovely drug was very much <laughs> yeah. my experience i got heavily into rap music <laughs> and i <laughs> 
you know, in That's my That's not on the list of symptoms, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> it should wow. be. It should be because I think the inner rage felt by the menopausal yeah. woman is very resonant with the the anger that a lot of rap artists express. So I suddenly, and to my great surprise, found myself driving around in my Nissan Leaf with the windows down, <laughs> blaring out Eminem and NWA and things. And I think, yeah, the, the inner rage was a shock. <laughs> Again, going back to this thing of words, you know, my job is all about words, suddenly just losing words, mm-hmm. just not being able to think of words. A very interesting thing happened in that I overnight lost all surnames. I would have thought someone's name was, you know, I hope I'm not blinding you with science, but I imagine our brain is just full of a lot of filing cabinets. And I would have thought that someone's name is stored together, but it turns out their first names are stored in one filing cabinet and their surnames are stored in another filing cabinet. And I just ditched that filing cabinet. I now can't remember anyone's surname in the entire world. Then from a physical point of view, and I don't know if this is on the list, but my hot flushes are focused just onto my thighs. I could fry an egg at 2 a.m. on my thigh. If ever. It's a superpower. It is a superpower. If only Flying egg woman, yeah. Harness it to fight crime in some way. But, <laughs> I mean, I need to invent a special duvet or sheet that just has a sort of window mm. at, because the rest of me is freezing all the time. If you're ever hungry at 2 a.m. and want me to <laughs> ruffle up some kind of sizzling dish <laughs> on my thigh, <laughs> pop round. Oh, did you dear. did you talk to your GP about hormone replacement therapy? What you offered antidepressants? What was your experience? No, I kept going and they kept saying that I wasn't menopausal, perimenopausal, that my whatever's they are were in some normal oh, range. But I clearly was. It was mm. utterly baffling. Someone told me that if you're over 50, they go by symptoms, and if you're under 50, they go by that hormone level. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, if you're well, that's symptoms. not true. Yeah, yeah they should it's go, they should only always. go by symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had panic attacks for the first time, couldn't remember which side of the road to drive on, all sorts of things were just inexplicable. But I mean, I guess yeah. when you were going through that and, and also thinking about would have increased your anxiety, yeah. that might explain why you saw so many people before you got to the therapy situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I wish. A doctor had suggested that that might be it because I literally went to a dementia clinic because I was just forgetting mm, so yes, much we did. that I thought mm. I yeah. yeah early onset dementia of some yeah, yeah that I re- and I, and that was so frustrating because I was like I know who the prime minister is but I just don't know pretty much anything else I can't remember anything else. And, I was uh, I, I was get sat in the car, confused as to which side of the road to, to drive on. So I went back in to ask my husband because I had forgotten. I don't know which side of my teenagers were witnessing. And that was absolute confirmation. I was a moron. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, no. yeah. And, oh. and um, you saw a healer as well, didn't you? Too? Yeah. Is that, that's depressing. Don't do that. I, I think that was, that's just a sort of indication of how desperate. And again, wanting that sort of quick fix, like I don't want to talk about anything I just want Mm. someone to waggle a stone Mm. over me and for everything to be better I went down the therapy route thinking that I was having a nervous breakdown and you know all of that and then it wasn't really until we started doing this podcast and started talking to experts about it and went on HRT at 
the age of 51, wasn't it? 52. Yeah. Oh, it's been a game changer. It's been yeah. really... Well, and it's yeah. a preventative medicine, mm. Georgia, for yeah. osteoporosis and heart disease. So it's often worth yeah. checking out whether you can yes, be on I it forever. Again, quite recently on, on the stuff that you rub on yourself. And I, in fact, the first time, there's so much comes out and I'm quite puny so the the first time I was sort of putting it on it's like oh god I, and it, my children were sort of walking past and I had that thing you know when you got some extra sun cream and you just rub it on the nearest person <laughs> and I sort of went to just kind of rub it on my son and thought oh my god oh, no. No. <laughs> don't do that don't do that oh so in the midst of all of this and your incredible career you are parenting two teenage boys with your partner Catherine home life with teenagers let's discuss yeah the smell of boy is strong (laughs) in my house Mm. I can't remember who said it but one someone once said to me you can describe the life of a boy in three liquids Oh. <laughs> it isn't going to be as bad as you think, trust me. And it's basically cowpole, ketchup, links. That's it, yeah. Yeah. But your your teenagers, are, it's been quite a troublesome for you to get the right education and the right support, haven't you? Because your boys are, uh, what do you call them, non-neurotypical, aren't Non, they? yes, it's the <laughs> great phrase trips off your tongue yes non-neurotypical um that's a sort of 10-hour conversation about how difficult it is to get support from your local Mm. authority and funding for special schools and how few appropriate schools there are but yeah if you can find the right school it's a life changer but it's been a struggle they're both at great schools now yeah we're on the cusp of links we haven't quite embraced the links (laughs) in the way that I might like them too but, oh, but yeah dear. I think it's the worst of the three can I just say it's worse <laughs> the and the well there is another else. liquid which is worse which oh. I obviously can't talk about anyway <laughs> Galaxy Quest oh, I'm just yeah. bringing that in because I might be a bit of a rarity it's one of my favourite films oh, me of too, all time yeah. with Tim oh, Allen and Sigourney um, yeah. and we watch it all the time with the family because it's one of those yeah. that you know I've got four kids at such different ages it's just yeah. so brilliant now you are working with Simon Pegg aren't you on TV series tell me this is true it is true we're both huge fans of the film and um, so we're going to see if we can do a sort of TV version of it uh, and I think the um, original cast will will be in it as often <gasps> as possible and and then Amazing. there'll be a sort of, a new a next generation cast too and you've also helped create the shrink next door with paul rudd who officially world's sexiest man i believe uh, just been voted yeah. not in this season but <laughs> oh no but it, and will ferrell oh my goodness i, I yeah. mean what is can it even be like working with will ferrell yeah and Catherine hahn oh God yes us. that was incredible i mean what fantastic actors to be honest I've always been a a Will Ferrell fan and and you know he's so funny but I hadn't really realized what a brilliant actor he is and I think in Shrink Next Door I think people will be surprised because he's so moving and heartbreaking and gives such a sort of subtle and restrained performance he's fantastic so he's halfway between a comedy and a drama isn't it it's kind of I'm on episode three now and it's it's yeah. so moving, but it's also really funny as well. Yeah, well, it's a true story, of course. It was a podcast. And, yeah. um, you know, it felt like I didn't want people to sort of 
laugh at either character, laugh at the patient for being gullible or an idiot because he he sort of has his life taken over. And I didn't want them to kind of dismiss the psychiatrist as kind of evil or a monster because I thought, well, this is a relation. This is a 27-year relationship. Yeah. This is, we need to kind of try and understand why this happened rather than just judge it or blame anyone I really enjoyed making it I love things that have darkness and light it seems so true to life you know that there's comedy in the darkest moments and tragedy in the funny moments they're great Paul is incredible Catherine is just a, a powerhouse and mm. um, brilliant as the patient do you get starstruck yeah I do <laughs> I do all the time yeah and I think it's it's just so lovely writing for such incredible people I feel very lucky to be able to do that yeah. you have to go to celebrity dinner parties and make small talk with very famous people <laughs> I am very a bit shy and hermity so I tend not to go out as I say in my book I've I've been to the odd awards ceremony which is mm. pretty nerve-wracking and I find pretty excruciating but yeah I generally just stay at home with my boys in my joggers <laughs> so how do we as because you're the woman with the power here the gift if if we want to see more midlife women on television yeah funny women and it is a funny as you say dark light time of like I mean because yeah, the rage yeah. I just yeah. think the rage is crying out for a whole yeah. four-part series all on its own quite frankly are you going to write one and how do we get more of these women on telly it's so funny I do keep trying there, there was a big push uh, in the UK in drama over the last few years for strong women and so I thought great but then they seem to confuse strong women with psychopaths so we got all these shows oh, about murderous women. murderers and I wanted to say I'm a strong woman. I've, I've hardly murdered anyone. I think it's possible <laughs> <Not> today <laughs> to, to, to be strong and not a psychopath. I think they're two different things. I mean, I feel, feel it's very first world problem, but I consider myself a sort of comedy refugee in that I've had to come abroad to find work because I keep pitching in the UK like a female version of Detectorists. I would just love a show yeah. where two women get to talk and not that much happens. And it's just a really sort of beautiful yeah. study of a, of a friendship and of two characters. But the good news is that Julia from Veep and I have been have decided we want to do something together. And so I've had this idea that we're I'm working on at the moment, which would have Julia and 19 other women in it. Oh, oh my, that will affect the space oh. time continuum. <laughs> the Matrix will. They will have to we'll pack have everything to, in somewhere be, else. Yeah, people will be so confused. We'll have to sort of label them as they as they're on screen. <laughs> woman one, woman two, women. Woman Just keep trying. Yes. We want to see it on telly. Yes. So we're coming up to Christmas. What yes. will Christmas have in store for you? How do you like to spend Christmas? Well, my partner has a really unreasonable number of relatives who tend mm -hmm. to come in waves, a bit like sort of invasion, a bit like the Second World War, just wave <laughs> upon wave arriving. It'll will be at home. We my younger son's very into Godzilla, so our Christmas film will be some kind of Godzilla film. <laughs> um they get what's nice is although they're teenagers they get really excited still um a couple of years ago my younger son virtually fainted because he thought he heard santa's sleigh landing on the roof oh. just actually me hoovering upstairs <laughs> <laughs> 
but so that's really nice um they get excited and it'll be good i'm a bit allergic to christmas music so i tend to oh hang on george michael Last Christmas. But not George, <laughs> obviously. But, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, George, oh, thank for coming you. on. That was just and so brilliant. You're just a gift to us. A, a oh, really well. funny woman who's writing parts for funny women. Oh, thank you. Well, it's an honour to be on the show and I love it. We have reached my favourite bit of the show, Trish. Take mm. me back in time. Where have you gone today for our last one of this mm. series? Oh, apart no. from our Christmas special. Go on. <laughs> last but one. Gosh, these nostalgia noodles, they keep coming, don't they? Every week I think, I can't think of another one. And then something pops, pops up, up, doesn't it? And I get jealous. Bank. There's a bit of a competitive, oh my God, I've got to think of one now. Yes, exactly. Well, mine this week was sparked by the news. Um, coffee, as we know, has overtaken tea as the nation's favourite, most drunk hot beverage. And um, one of these big, massive companies is selling its whole black tea division. I think PG tips, etc., is all being sold off. And it got me thinking to how when I was young, we were very much an instant coffee household. And I don't think I actually knew that there were coffee beans or anything like that until I was probably well into my teens. And the coffee of choice, although I think you might struggle to call it coffee, was um, Mellow Birds. Do you remember oh, the, that? The kind of frozen granules. Oh, no, it was, it was a really fine dust. It was a powder. Oh, it was powder. a powdery oh, dust. And that it had the vaguest. real coffee. But it had the vaguest of coffee tastes and I have to say you haven't mentioned my singing in any of your reviews of this year's shows and you know I also um, song yeah I also didn't mention your French speaking either (laughs) exactly I know you like to speak some both of which are sort of a bit appalling but I do like to anyway the Mellow Birds advert tv advert would do you remember this no, well, you? there will be a little, little, little song, little ditty in a minute. But it was always a woman going to visit another woman's home and being served some coffee that she didn't like, and she'd make an awful face, and then she'd pour the coffee into the plant pot. Do you remember that? Yes. And then she conveniently, out of her handbag, take a jar of mellow birds that she just happened to have. That's all women used to do she did during was go the day. Shopping go and, shopping and go yes. for coffee. Yeah. And so she'd then get the, well, the, the hostess to make her a cup of coffee with the mellow birds. And what it was, was the theme tune. I'm waiting for it. I'm on tender hooks. Okay. Now. Mellow birds will make you smile. <laughs> Do you remember that? And the the, the kind of the, the sort of payoff was the top of the mellow birds. They'd open the top of the jaw and then draw a little smiley face in the dusty powder. <laughs> so just, and my sister and I used to fight over who would get to sort of break, you know, the break the yeah. seal on the top of the jaw and do the smiley face in the foul powdered um, happy day coffee. Trish, I know the joy, the joy. Where have you been? Oh, well, actually, oddly on the same path somehow. Can I mention David David Janola, who is in I'm a oh Celebrity? Oh, you certainly can. I'm not sure what he's got to Look do with you. birds or yeah. coffee. Well, he did a coffee advert. So, oh, right. Um, yes, you're he's right. He's in his 50s now, and mm. he's um, he did take his top off last night when Oof. I was watching it. Anyway, he's in very good condition for mm. a man in his 50s. He was in um, the Carte Noir advert. Oh. And... David, David, got me thinking about footballers and hair, long hair. Ooh, he's got a lovely head of hair. Not now, it's all short now, but he, do you remember, it was oh, shoulder yes. length hair, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, That's and he gorgeous. was actually in a L'Oreal LV advert <laughs> in his youth. 
<laughs> I said to my 15 year old son, oh, David Jonah is very famous. He used mm. to be, he used to be, you know, very long. He said, I've got him in my FIFA team. I know what his hair mm. was like. Anyway, it made me think back to a footballer and his hair that would have mm. dominated our 80s childhood. Can you? Think I, I can. Be? Do you want me to spoil it? Yeah, Do you want me on, to spoil it? Because Kevin is... Keegan. Yes. Obviously. I, look, I'm the one who embroidered a cock on a ball. I think I know a bit about <laughs> 1980s football. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's a mystery to you, Trish. Yeah. There's a mysterious side mm. to you I don't know much about, no, isn't it? I don't, don't put that in the memoir. His hair was a perm. It was a perm. He was perm. one of the first men to talk about having a perm. I mm. think he must have been at Newcastle or Liverpool at the time. Anyway, he's in his 70s now. So I went down quite a dark hole on the <laughs> internet trying to find out where Kevin Keegan was and what his hair was like now. Oddly, in his 70s, he's had it cut as short as um, David Ginola. Oh, is it is it yeah. as white as David Whiter, Ginola's? Whiter, is whiter. Is oh, Yes. Okay, okay. Is it attractive? Is it attractive? I don't know. I'm just thinking about David with his... No. <laughs> no. Can't, you can't oh, get him out of I can't. After those press-ups and everything no. he's been doing. Did you, nice. you are watching it, aren't you? Well, I saw five minutes. I did get quite captivated by him because he was doing some quite yeah. arduous looking press ups and making them look. And everybody literally had their jaws on the floor at the uh, did fabulous Marley liked it, I noticed. Oh. Yeah. And some other guy that I don't know who he is was uh, saying he had a man crush. I like your funny. lack of popular culture knowledge. It <laughs> makes me warm <laughs> to you. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that's where I went. Kevin Keegan's perm. That brings us to the end of today's episode of Postcast Midlife and the end of Series 4, although there will be one Christmas special in early December. We will be back with Series 5 in mid-January. So if you want to make sure you get to listen to that, then can you subscribe and make sure you download your episodes because they count on our listener numbers. And please keep the conversation going with us on our Facebook group because we will be on there with you all and all our other members. If you want to join, we'd love you to come along. You just have to answer three questions. They're not very tricky. They're very simple. Are they questions about Margot? <laughs> yes. No. We, we put a line up and say, can you identify which cat is Which Margot? cat did it? And you yeah. only are allowed in if you spot Margot. No, we just ask you things like what you want to get out of the group, that kind of thing. Very easy okay. and that uh, you follow the rules and all of that. And that will help us with our ideas for the next series as well, yeah. because we love to hear what you talk about. You can stay in touch on the Facebook group and you can put any feedback there of topics you want us to discuss or any people you want us to interview. You can also follow us on Instagram Instagram and direct messages there if you want and this is exciting you can email us personally and we do Trish and I check our emails every day me more so than you I know and the address is hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com and we will reply to everything if we can and take up any of your messages because we do really like hearing from you so we will see you for series five after the christmas special goodbye goodbye